everyone, I'm Tara, an anaesthetic registrar, member of the Association Trainee Committee and a busy mum of three. And I'm Nadia Taylor, an anaesthetic SHO, mum to two little ones and self-proclaimed foodie. And you're listening to Coffee and a Gas, a podcast about all things well-being for anaesthetists of all stages and ages. Looking after ourselves is more important now than ever. We're here to explore our bad habits, fears and concerns, as well as learning the strategies to combat them and feel well. We're chatting about things like stress management, mental health, diet and sleep, and hearing from some pretty great people along the way. So whether you're listening to us with a cup of tea in hand after a tough day at work, or nursing your morning coffee waiting for the bus, we hope you enjoy this journey of feeling well together. We are delighted to have Tamal Ray with us today. Tamal is a less than full-time anaesthetic registrar currently working in London. As I'm sure we all remember well, he rose to fame in 2015 when he was a finalist on The Great British Bake Off. He then reappeared on our TV screens as co-presenter of Channel 4's Live Well for Longer in 2018 and is now a food columnist for The Guardian. He's going to talk to us today about his experiences being an LTFT trainee. Welcome to Al, and thank you so much for being here. Ah, thank you. That was a lovely intro. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so if you could just start off by telling us a bit about your journey, where it all began, and about your passion for baking. So I guess I kind of, like, food's always been a really important part of our family. I'm from a South Asian family, and I guess baking wasn't so much of a big part of it, but, like, this sort of focus on food. And like having like big family meals uh, was always a massive thing. And my mum would always just make such a massive effort whenever people were coming around for dinner. And like she's still like that now. Like whenever my whenever we go around for dinner, like one of the things my boyfriend says is that there's just so many different things on the table. Like she just makes so many different things. So she kind of gave me sort of inspired me to like really enjoy food. And then I think with baking, it was my sister who got me into it. Like when we were kids we'd make cookies and crumbles and that sort of stuff and so I just kind of did more and more of that and then when I got to uni was basically just really poor (laughs) had no money but I wanted to eat nice food and so I started baking more just because I was like if I don't make it myself I won't I won't eat it um and then I made my sister's wedding cake I think that was my third year of uni because she, their wedding was on kind of a budget, so they just weren't going to have a cake. And I thought that was ridiculous. I was like, you know, it's the most important bit, apart from the ceremony. So I made their wedding cake, and that was like the per- first big thing I did. And then, yeah, I just baked loads. Like in F1, I used to bake loads and cook loads. And then I found, I discovered Bake Off in F2 year when I was doing A&E. And I, I mean, you, you guys have probably done A&E jobs and like, you know, it's quite, it's good experience, but it's quite crushing. And I'd done some rubbish night shift and came back to the flat just feeling really dejected and was sort of sat on the sofa eating my sad little bowl of cereal and just put on iPlayer. And I was like, oh, what's this show about cake? And then by the end of it, by the hour, I just felt so happy. And I rang like one of my best friends. I was like, you have to watch this show. It's like they've made a programme specifically for us. And then, and it was that friend who encouraged me to apply uh, the following year. And I didn't get on that year, but I got into the final stage audition. And they were really nice. They were like, basically, 
you think you're good, you've got potential, but you just you haven't got enough experience yet, which I definitely didn't. And so I applied a few years later when I was doing my CT one year of anaesthetics. And I was one of the last applicants, I think, like, because I basically I realised quite late in the application process that where I was doing my CT1, basically, like, they had so many gaps on the rotor. And I was like, oh, actually, if I got on the show, they could probably be quite flexible with moving my on calls. And looking back at it now, like, I don't think I could have done it as a trainee if I was working in any other hospital because, you know, it's, it's such a nightmare trying to swap your on calls. Although... I guess that's one of the perks of being less than full-time, that you can be a bit more flexible. <laughs> yeah, and then it kind of went from there, really. And uh, you know the rest. Was it easy getting time off and sorting it all out at that point? So it was basically, the filming happened, so it's two days of filming every week, and they almost always, it was on the weekend. And you get advance notice of that. So, and the college tutor, so I, I only told a few people at work because you have to keep it under wraps. So like my immediate family knew and I had to tell the college tutor, the theatre manager and the hospital press team. And the college tutor was leaving, I remember telling her, and she sort of looked me in the eye and she was like, I will make sure you get these days off, you know, if it's the last <laughs> thing I do. I love that. Yeah. Was she already a Bake Off fan? Um, I don't think she was, actually. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so she sort of like marched me to HR. I was like, "He, this doctor needs to have these days off. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> just why I love anaesthetics. Yeah. You just wouldn't get that approach in, I don't think, in a lot of other specialties. No, that encouragement, that support. Yeah, God, you really wouldn't. Yeah, no, like anaesthetics, definitely more holistic approach to that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, they, so they were great. They let me move my my on calls basically for the whole 10 week period or most of them uh, but they let me keep some of my zero days which helped with practice but it meant that basically for the entire month of July I was I was pretty much on call every single day for that month because of all the on calls I'd moved but yeah I mean it was a really I look back now like I've never worked that efficiently in my life like because I was still full-time at that point so I'd go to work do like an anaesthetic, uh, you know, full anaesthetics day, come home, bake for four hours, clean the kitchen, go to bed, and then get up and do the same thing the next day. And that would be my week. So in a way, like, going down to do the filming was like, although it was really stressful, I was like, oh, this is kind of my break. Because (laughs) I've been like flat out during the week. Did you take all your practice bakes into work? Well, no, because I couldn't, I couldn't take them in because then people would have guessed. Of course, because they weren't that. Oh, so what did you do with the so I feel really guilty about it but a lot of it just a lot of it went in the bin because there was only so much I could feed to my flatmate um next time give me a ring (laughs) (laughs) but also it was kind of weird because you'd like I'd make a lot of like half made things like just practicing making a custard over and over again and things like that which you know actually would be quite nice to be given a bowl of custard wouldn't it for free yeah so yeah it was hectic but it showed me like god you can really get a lot done if you work flat out and you yeah. just have a deadline and you have to yeah and then sometimes you're like oh my gosh I can't believe that's how efficient I was at that time I, and you imagine you can't you can't you'd be like I can't do all that stuff right now but this yeah. passed you it was this like machine oh yeah absolutely but it was like <laughs> it was a 10-week process and I I mean I was really really like knackered afterwards and everyone else who was on it went on holidays and stuff and I look back now I'm like oh yeah a holiday would have been good but I went straight into like CT2 and revising for the 
the primary, like the first part of the primary. So yeah, that was a always a busy time. I just find those two are so. I don't know how two kind of worlds could be more opposed to one another. You know, the glitz and glam of going to Bake Off, the Bake Off Ten, all that excitement, <laughs> and then going to revise for your primary. I mean, yeah. just. Yeah. Your head, you must have just had to switch your brain back kind of thing. I mean, it was kind of nuts, but also it was weird because, so the final happened and then I had a month of just doing all those on calls, but the show hadn't been on yet. So it was weird. It was like, oh, did I, did I just hallucinate all of that? Like, did it really happen? Because I was just sort of immersed back into medical world. But it was also kind of... Like, I loved doing the show. It was really, I learned loads doing it. I just became, like, loads better at baking through it. But it was also kind of nice to just sort of step away from it for a little bit and have a break from it. But, yeah, it is it is a very different world. It's quite. It was quite nice, like, I don't know, I think that's one of the things that I like about being less than full-time and, like, this being the thing that I do less than full-time is that it's so different and it's nice having, like, variety. Like, it forces your brain to think in a completely different way and I like that about it. Before you'd entered into the bake-off had you ever considered becoming less than full-time prior to that or was it all a, as a result of the show? I mean I, I knew about less than full-time training in fact actually you've reminded me my interview for core training you know that awful presentation station that they make you do? <laughs> yeah so yeah. <laughs> like I hate that it's like a task from The Apprentice isn't it? Oh god. Yeah. Um, so my interview for core training, I did really badly in that station. And the thing that I got was, uh, the question I got was uh, design your ideal training program, which is quite a standard question like that. It's one of the ones everyone knows about. And it went it went fine. It wasn't going that badly. But there was one bit at the end where I was talking about sort of like broadly speaking. And I was like, oh, you know, in terms of a training program, I'd like the option to, you know, I'd like to have a family one day. And so I'd like to have the option of maybe going less than full time. And I remember the examiners just gave me this look of like, what is wrong with you? Like, why would you say that? And I felt really like, oh God, have I said something really bad? And then I was thinking like, oh God, is it, is that really bad? I haven't even got the job yet and I'm already asking for time off. Like, is that terrible? But I sort of look back now and I wonder if the reason they gave me that look is because I was a man and they were thinking like, well, you know, why would you want time off? You know, like, which I think, I think things have changed. I meet a lot more male trainees who are less than full time, but I think back then maybe it wasn't as common. Yeah, I think it's definitely not as common. And that and also that makes me think about because your reasons, I think still overall looking at the whole less than full time cohort, it's still it's often the main reason is still childcare and other reasons are definitely less common. So I think probably when you first started, the fact that you were a male and also becoming less than full-time for other pursuits that weren't related to having children was probably quite unique as well. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it's it's becoming more and more common though, isn't it? I think, because yeah. I've had this chat with loads of trainees, people being like, you know, we're all adults and like, if you want to go less than full-time, because it is a financial hit to take. So like, it's kind of your decision. And in terms of workforce planning, like if it can be done, why not do it? Although I've met other, I think for other, anaesthetics I think is quite forward thinking in lots of ways, but I've met trainees in other specialties. I I had a friend who was in emergency medicine and she was like, she didn't have, she didn't have to get any pushback when she decided to go less full full time. She was just like, you know, I want to do it. 
and I guess because you know they had a problem with hemorrhaging trainees they were like yeah go for it don't leave please yeah so when you then made the decision to go less than full-time how did you find that transition and um, getting sort of getting used to that in terms of the application process it was really easy I think I spoke to one of the consultants at work who kind of she'd been a less than full-time trainee and so she told me like about the rotor planning and how you like structure in terms of like cutting down your hours and things and then I sent off an application form and I heard back really quickly I think the people who received the form knew about Bake Off and they were like yeah sure like there was I didn't have to do any justifying it when I moved down to London because I was reapplying for uh, registrar training so I had to reapply for less than full-time training as well and I had to sort of re-justify it but I had a chat with the head of school that I was really nervous about I was like oh god you know I need to have like a five-point plan about what I'm going to do with my time and things but actually the phone call it was all by phone and it was all it was actually quite easy as a she just wanted to have a chat basically um, and then that was that so it was all quite straightforward which is a good thing like I think I, th- I also think kind of like especially having had like covid behind us well I mean I guess we're still in it but I don't know I think people are sort of like it's forced people to kind of look at their lives and be like oh you know actually like you only get this particular time right now don't you like how do I want to spend it Um, and maybe try and find a bit more balance. So if we just kind of move on to some of the benefits of less than four times I know Mm. we've already mentioned a few of them I'm assuming you went into it so that you could pursue this other side of your career yeah and but do you feel there's been any other specific benefits that you felt I mean I know that me and Tara could talk about the benefits we found but I'd be interested to hear because you know the reason that I'm less than full-time is because of childcare. Tara I think that's the same for you yeah yeah so you know I think the reason the benefits that we might see would be common to a lot of people but I'd be interested to hear about what other benefits apart from the ability to achieve another career have been I guess it kind of just gives you a bit more freedom and control over your life and this is like a really basic thing that I say to people like sometimes full-time trainees will chat to me about you know going less than full-time and I always say you know obviously you have more free time to do other stuff although perhaps less free time if you have kids but one of the big things is that you get to organize your rotor before you start each job and like that it's just such a massive it's just such a massive benefit that you get to have that flexibility and I I feel guilty about it to be honest I kind of feel like when I start a job I'm like oh the full-time trainees should get to do this as well like we should all just probably put on the dates like that we don't want to be on call because we've got holidays or friends weddings or our own weddings like all of that sort of stuff and then just work back from that I have had jobs outside of anaesthetics like A&E jobs where they organize the rotor like that I've never actually been a rotor coordinator it looks like the most horrendous job in the world <laughs> like my brain just does not work like that at all so uh, you know probably it's quite a complicated thing to do but yeah just I don't know it's quite easy to feel like a sort of anonymous number being pushed around as a trainee like individually I feel like you know I've met lots of great people who I've worked with 
but sort of being shunted through rotation and rotation. I think just having that little bit more autonomy on how you structure your time uh, as like a well-being thing for me, I think, yeah, it's one of the really big things that I, I like about being less than full time. And also I've got, I've just got loads of interests uh, outside of medicine and I'm sort of, I don't know, I always feel like I'm a bit conflicted about, I don't know, like, because this is a really important job, like being a doctor in general is really important, being an anaesthetist is really important, it's such a responsibility. And sometimes I think like, oh God, you know, it's more than enough to just take up all your time being an anaesthetist, being like the best anaesthetist you can be. And so I feel this sort of guilt almost that like, oh, you know, I'm not fully devoting myself to being an anaesthetist by having like these other interests. But then I kind of think like, ah, but, you know, life's really amazing. There's so many interesting things to do. Mm. I don't know if you ever, have either of you ever watched The Good Place, that sitcom? Yeah, 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 yeah. if anyone is watching it halfway through, you can cover your ears now. But in the final episode... <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler. spoiler alert. I hate spoilers, so I have to give that, that warning. But um, one of the characters, like Tahani, what she spends her afterlife doing is just learning how to do stuff, like like learning how to do woodwork and become really good. And she has like eternity to just learn all these skills. That's what she... And I, I watched that and I was like, oh yeah, that'd be great. That'd be really, really nice, like learning how to paint and learning how to do woodwork and doing all this stuff and I just think I don't know you've got a finite amount of time and especially living in a city like London there's just so much to do that I kind of want to make the most of it yeah I wholeheartedly agree with you it's it's really interesting hearing you talk about the guilt because I think I absolutely share that guilt in you know the idea that yes okay children but we can put that to one side but the you know other interests for example making this podcast this has obviously taken up time and effort but I absolutely love doing it as you can probably all hear and I just think being less than full-time has given me the ability to perhaps be a bit more flexible but I feel guilty you know shouldn't I be right now I'm meant to be revising for my primary shouldn't I be doing that during this time or should I be I don't know sorting out my logbook for my ARCP but you're absolutely right I think from a well-being perspective which is what we're all about here on Coffee and the Gas you've got to allow yourself the time to explore those other interests and I think they make you a more well-rounded and more interesting person and I think we've mentioned about burnout on this podcast before but I think if you are somebody and I've seen it in my I was previously a surgical trainee and it's quite I was a lesson full-time in that career and that was quite unusual and I, I saw it these you see these trainees who just literally they go school med school f1 f2 straight through specialty training consultant by 30 early 30s and i don't know how they do it i'm Mm. I'm always very impressed by it but at the same time like what do they feel do they feel they missed out during their 20s and 30s are there other interests or other events that they they missed out on and that's one of the things i love about less than full time is yes i'm still the world's oldest sho and will be forever (laughs) But I'm kind of okay with that. I, I, I'm okay with that. And it sounds like that feeling of guilt is something that we all just have because mm. of the onus of being a doctor. You know, if I, yeah. it'd be interesting to hear what other people felt in careers where they then, I don't know, if they took half an afternoon off every so often to do another thing or on the weekends they were doing their other interests. Would they mm. still feel that guilt for then not doing their daytime job? Yeah, I, I, I think maybe we feel it more because of 
you know it's healthcare it's helping people why would you want, mm. why would you not be doing that like devoting your all because yeah. it's such a worthwhile thing to do but I think you're absolutely right about in terms of burnout and yeah just I look at those people who've gone all the way through like I know people like that who I went to med school with and, and you know they've got really great careers and they've done it but I remember chatting to one of my cousin's friends like all my cousins are about 10 years older than me and one of them had just been made a consultant uh, in anesthetics and I was asking him like oh you know what, what's it like you know that must be amazing and he was like yeah yeah it's a lot of meetings and I'm basically going to do the same job for the next like few decades now and I suppose like going from being a trainee but you're constantly rotating through new hospitals being like oh no this is this is my job now like this is the role that I do like part of me sort of looks forward to having that stability because it is a bit of a pain constantly rotating between hospitals the computer systems why why are they different computer systems all the time (laughs) okay if you can even get to a computer my god um (laughs) but yeah it just and I do kind of think that there was um I don't know if you read it last year there was this article it was in the financial times by one of their columnists but it was about um the Goldman Sachs trainees which you heard like they, they wrote this open letter complaining about their working conditions and it really really stuck with me this columnist was writing about it and he what he was saying was that people are telling these trainees that they should just shut up because they earn loads of money relatively to most graduates already and they're going to have a career where they earn like ridiculous amounts of money and so yeah everyone agrees their working life at the moment is miserable but it's you know with the view of having this amazing future career and he was saying to them that is true but they should be very careful about sacrificing their youth and their time now for you know for this wonderful life that they'll have in their 50s and their 60s because free time that you have in your 20s is just not the same as free time that you have in your 60s and he made this point of he was like you know even when you get to your 30s and your 40s you know you're still relatively young but you might not want to do the same things that you did in your 20s you won't you probably won't have the energy to go like to like all night raves and things and he said this other thing like and you'll probably also have responsibilities to kids or to parents or family members getting ill and getting older and it just really like struck me I was like oh my god yeah you're right like life changes and I don't sort of pine for being a 20 year old but I do think like oh I'm glad like I had some of the experiences that I did and you know I got to do that and I just I yeah as much as I feel guilty about and conflicted about oh should I have just been full-time should I've just got there quicker I do also sort of think like I'm just that was never going to be me so you know yeah it's just I wasn't built that way and I know it sounds very simplistic but I truly think a happier doctor is a better doctor Mm. so if you look after yourself and you do things that make you happy I know this I feel like I'm you know just really simplifying it but then you're going to be kinder you're going to be more considerate you're going to be more patient you're going to have better communication because you won't be so sad so I know yeah (laughs) I just think it's as simple as. I agree. You've got to look after yourself first and then you both look after other people. I mean, you know, the amount of people that are stressed out and grumpy and they take it out on people at work, the environment's really tense. You know, it's, I think, I think it's really important to see what you need, you know, identify the fact that you need more time doing this, that and the other, that you don't want to dedicate all your time to anaesthetics. And I think 
you know, go with that really and try and make peace with that and enjoy each day, take each day as it comes. And um, I was just going to ask you one thing, Tamal, which is, do you feel that, because you're 80%, is that right? I'm 70%. Right, okay, so do you feel that you, the time that you have to um, do your other things is enough time? Like, yes and no. So I feel like I'm not sure, so I was saying like when I did Bake Off, like I was hyper-efficient with my time like every... did you sleep it doesn't sound like you did yeah <laughs> did sleep factor into this like four hours of baking after a 13 hour on call yeah i mean i slept and, like, I definitely, there were definitely some some short and i wasn't i wasn't regularly getting my allotted eight hours of sleep um yeah it was uh yeah that was an exhausting process so what i've been trying to do this year because i think the way i would organize my time was I'm either in hospital and those are hospital days or they're out of hospital days. And what I found was that I'm just, you know, an anaesthetics day is quite an efficient day because it has all this structure superimposed on it. Whereas days where I'm not in the hospital are pretty much entirely my own days. And by comparison, I'm just not as efficient. And what also sort of harms that efficiency is working in the weekends and because because it all becomes this whole just massive not not being in the hospital you settle into this pattern of ending up you know doing work on Saturdays and Sundays just regularly and like you know as a one-off it's fine but actually what it means is that you're just not as efficient on those work days and so what I'm trying to do now is be more disciplined about you know this is my weekend this is for free time this is for doing other stuff and if you know, I'm really busy during the week and I have to do work on the weekend, fine. But that should be the rarity and I should be aiming to get my stuff done during the week. My other half is a freelancer in completely different industry. He works in theatre as in like stage theatre. And he is like so efficient and so organised with his time. Like I'll come back to the flat when he's had a day and, he, and he's been in the flat and he will have got through all this work and done all these like household chores and like cooked and exercised. I'm like, oh God, like you're so good at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I'm trying to like sort of cultivate some of that of my own energy now. <laughs> I think that's really important trying to, I feel like sometimes I spend, when you've got zero days after on calls running into your off days, I'm sort of like, oh, I've really got to do this. Oh yeah, no, I, yeah, and I spend all day worrying about doing it and not doing it, and then I spend the whole next day worrying. So now I've decided, no, I'm just going to set that on this specific day is when I'm going to get that task done, and I'm not going to think about it around that time until it comes to that time, because otherwise you're there the whole time, like sort of giving yourself a hard time about not getting things done that you think you should have done, and it and it just takes up all your free time. I've started taking myself out of the house because that was my problem was I had stuff to do, but I also had stuff to do at home and pick up and this and that. And I wasn't getting my kind of, for me, it's been my revision. I just was not getting it done. And I thought how, so the only, now I, I take myself out of the house on a zero day, try to, you know, once a week I go into town and I am so much more productive with my work than I'm ever been at home because you, you go into that mindset of, as you said, in hospital, out of hospital. But for me, it's now out of hospital, home, do whatever needs to be done. But then out of hospital, but I'm at my other job or my other work. And it just is, 
having that mindset to manage my time has has really really helped and also it's really nice to just be out by myself <laughs> just <laughs> by myself it sounds really silly but not answering to anyone not answering to a bleat not answering to the next patient that needs to be called for on the list and not answering to small children who are pulling at me with constant mummies it's just it's it's really <laughs> i really highly recommend it for all people to just have a day a week if you can or half a day a week where you are just you walk into a new place by yourself because i think that that kind of anonymity of not ha- and just fresh air and just a different environment i think it does help you be more productive yeah absolutely i mean it give yeah it totally gives you that headspace i've got some friends who are, um they've got a young toddler and they give each other one evening off a week so and like basically amazing where is my (laughs) (laughs) i want today and they have to they have to leave the house on that evening so there'll be times where they're just like oh i just feel really knackered and i just want to like veg out in front of the telly but they like force themselves to go out and that and they can do whatever they want with that time they can go and see friends or they can go to the cinema on their own like whatever but and they were saying like just in terms of like just remembering you know that they were people they love their daughter but they that they were people before they had a daughter and rem- keeping that part of themselves alive and I was like, oh yeah it's really basically all my friends who subsequently have kids are like oh yeah that's the dream that's what we're aspiring to. yeah that's that's goals yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, um i think you've already touched on quite a lot of this but um any other challenges you've faced being an LTFT trainee do you think you know people's perceptions I guess uh just getting older and sort of feeling like I don't know like this pressure to have like life goals ticked off like god we've been trying to I envy you being in the north of England because I really enjoyed Manchester like I met my boyfriend in Manchester and we're now in London and just trying to buy a place down in this ridiculous city is a nightmare. I mean, your homes both look lovely. <laughs> I'm very envious. <laughs> but um, ignoring yeah, I... the mess that's going on here and, yeah. and here, and let's just say I'm pleased that this is on radio and on a podcast on radio, the magic of radio. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I get like like my parents. Or I've just passed the final like just before oh, Christmas. Congratulations. Yes, congratulations. Yeah, which is a real a real weight off. I know everyone says like it's a real relief. But I've only just sort of been recently feeling, oh, yeah, it is a real weight off, actually. And I feel a bit, you know, that guilt we were talking about earlier, the guilt that you feel as a trainee, I kind of feel like not, you know, obviously there's still loads that I have yet to learn. But I kind of feel like, oh, actually, I do know a lot. And I have this, like, objective proof that I know a lot. And so that has been helpful. But I get, my dad asked me afterwards, he was like, um, oh, okay, you know, well done, passing the exam. Um, so will they pay you more? Like, like no, <laughs> no, it doesn't work like that. He was like, oh, okay. No. When will you be a consultant? Like every phone yes. calls. When will you be a yeah. consultant? <laughs> and That's they're so like, oh, true. Because you're 36 now and you're greying. <laughs> when will you be a consultant? So, oh, cheers, dad. <laughs> But we're all just send him my way and ask him yeah. when I'm going to be a consultant. <laughs> That'll make him feel better. Yeah, <laughs> we're all going to be working until we're eighty anyway, with the way retirement ages are going. So you exactly. know, no rush. No rush. Absolutely no rush. <laughs> yeah. So I guess like sort of dealing with that kind of perception of others, of you know other people looking in, of like oh you know 
what you should be doing. And I, I think seeing your peers yeah. sort of progressing faster mm. is a bit weird. Like I've never, there's quite a few of my f- uh, people that I knew from school who went into medicine. I think coming back to London, I bumped into like people working around. And when I first came back to London, it was people... Uh, I don't think I, I don't think I saw anyone who was a consultant, but I saw people who were, you know, doing PhDs and things like this. And I was like, oh God, you know, I'm not doing a PhD. I'm just making some cakes. Um, so, yeah, there's that sort of. It's hard not to compare yourself to your peers in terms of that respect. But I guess you know, we're all moving along at our own pace, like the pace that's right for us, isn't it? I really want to point that out it's really hard not to compare yourself to your peers. And I think that something that I try not to do, but find it very hard not to do, thinking about how much my peers, you know, in a week they seem to have done an audit, passed their exams, got their lists done, sorted out their logbook, like all within, and I'm like, I've just about put a sock on. Like, yeah. it's just, <laughs> but I, I really think that you're not just baking some cakes like there are there's a reason that anybody is less than full-time is less than full-time and you shouldn't measure your achievements based on what another person's achievements are your achievements are your own and there's no equating that to other people's so I think that anybody listening to this who feels like this just know that we all feel that way but just try your best to kind of concentrate on what you have managed and and also what you're cap- not capable to manage that sounds very condescending but what everyone has different challenges so there'll be lots of people who are less than full-time for reasons that aren't as lovely as children and baking delicious cakes but that's because you have your own stresses and strains and challenges and that takes up a huge amount of energy and time and those people are very fortunate to not have those stresses and challenges but in five years time they might have different ones it's I think just uh, comparing yourself to peers is something that we all do, that we all should just kind of whack ourselves on the head and say, try not to. I'm going to say something super cheesy now, but I mean, <laughs> it's not, it, 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 it's about the journey, people, not about the destination. <laughs> <laughs> Except when you're a consultant, you do earn more money. I mean, besides that, yeah, totally. True. It's not about the destination. It is about the destination. Uh, the journey, the journey, not it's the destination. Not the journey. <laughs> okay. It's, it's really done... interesting though that like that that yeah. like need to constantly compare yourself to other people, like at peer pressure. I guess, I guess because we're all quite, you know, it's quite a, a challenging degree to like get. Are we competitive? Medicine. Is that a medic's I, competitive? I yeah, definitely I, I, not. I think we might be. But I, was trying, <laughs> I met this trainee a few months ago, who's just like. I was looking at it, I was like, oh god, you are just so awesome. Like, just really good at her job and like just really calm and composed. You know those people who just give off that air of competence. She's one of those people and she's doing a PhD, she's got got two kids, and I was like, and I was thinking, like, oh my god, you're you're such a like power woman. But then she was telling me about how, you know, among her PhD group that she feels like, you know, she's doing the not as good PhD and she sort of has doubts and I was hearing it talk I was like oh my god like you're amazing and you're doubting yourself like wow like literally anyone can doubt themselves like it's like a universal thing yeah 
Yeah, we definitely will do it. Yeah, and we do it with everything as well. It's not just work, is it? It's like, you know, oh, I really love, you know, I I really love that, that house. I wish I lived in this house. Or oh, I wish I exercised as much. Or oh, I wish I could be someone that got up at 5.30 in the morning and went for a run. I would love to be one of those people. Like, I feel like it's in everything, isn't it? We should all just learn to be grateful and happy with what we have and do our best. Love that. So, I think as fun as this chat is, I don't think people yeah. want to listen to us wrap it on for that too much longer. So, let's just, um, just drawing things to a close. Tamal, if you were starting this whole process again, or there's somebody now who's thinking, whatever that reason for going less than full time is becoming apparent, what is your advice to them? And is there anything you think you did, but you wish you'd done it differently? So, I guess I... If I was doing it all again and applying less than full time, I would, I think, I would think about like, what is the purpose? Like, what do you want to achieve with your less than full time things? And that, that achievement could be, I just want to have some headspace and like, I want to, you know, give myself, I'm, I'm, I'm stressed and I'm burnt out with a job and I just want to give myself some space just to uh rejuvenate and recharge my batteries and that's a completely fine goal but just have that in mind and kind of make a plan with it and like check back in with how you're achieving that because I think going from a busy full-time job where your time is really not your own and you have you know you're told where to go you're told where to be at all times to basically having freelance time uh, it's a very different way of organising your time. I think you just need to be aware of that. Like, I, I think looking back, I could have used my time more productively, but it's that, you know, it's that Taipei medic voice wanting to come in, isn't it? But yeah, and I think, I mean, that's what I'm trying to do this year. Like, I have, like, this, annual, this week planner thing, and I set myself, like, little targets for the month and for individual weeks, and I try and plan my time a bit better. But I think for me, that I would have found that helpful. And yeah, just and also when you're planning stuff, like plan in the downtime as well. Like it can't all be work. And just because it's not anesthetics work doesn't mean it's not work. Even if it's work that you really enjoy doing, it's still work and you still need downtime. Absolutely. Yes, so if anyone listening is interested in being a less than full-time trainee or for any less than full-time trainee out there, if you want some more information, anything you're not quite sure about, there's an excellent resource on the association website that has been recently updated called LTFT Training and A to Z Guide. And I would recommend looking that up for any more information. And Tamal, thank you so much for being here and being on this podcast. We've had an excellent time. Thank you, we have. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Lovely to speak to you. Pleasure. tuning into this episode of coffee and a gas we would love to hear what you think so leave us a comment on the association of anipotists website and if you found this podcast useful and enjoyable make sure to share it with your friends and colleagues see you next time hi i'm alan a member of the association's trainee committee and podcast lead just a quick word to say about the association's trainee conference is taking place this year on the 6th and 7th of July in Leeds and registration has already opened. It is shaping up to be a fantastic conference with lots of educational talks and workshops as well as social events already lined up. So make sure you get your study leave booked in and also head over to the association's website www.anesthetist.org to check it out.